Welcome to episode 29 of Forging the Dream, where we discuss the joys and struggles of our entrepreneurial journey. I'm Greg Davis. And I'm Jared Dobb. And how's your week been going so far? Pretty good, man. Um, I feel like a little bit of a scatterbrain this week again. There's just a lot of stuff going on, but... You know, we had we had some cool experiences over the last week. Um, but before I even get into that, I mean, I took off last Friday, which was kind of kind of planned, but not really planned. And I ended up going into the communist territory of New York for the weekend, up to a friend's cabin. Um, but joking aside, it was a pretty good pretty good weekend. I turned my brain off, kind of had a little mini reset. Um, I was kind of itching to get back into my normal flow at the shop on Monday, but we had a couple and it's something I want to talk about. We we had a couple targets that we put out on Instagram. We had some pretty cool feedback about them last week and it was kind of neat. It, It was one of those things where these are products that we've either done in the past or thought of, but then people kind of reached out. They're not a normal stocked item and essentially I put up a story on our, our TA targets page of these two different custom targets and people lost their mind and went nuts. And I had people asking for quotes and asking when these are going to be available on the site. And it was kind of weird because I didn't actually expect that at all. Really. The only reason I even showed the smiley face target was just because I thought it was kind of cool. I thought people would be like, Hey, that's kind of neat. Um, so explain but, so the smiley face target, we have, we have some friends that have a, an 07 FFL, they're an SOT, they manufacture machine guns in the same, about five miles away, maybe six miles away, but they restore like old school Gatling guns and stuff. But they do these events where they'll shoot really crazy targets and they've had us make these before. So they wanted to do a smiley face again. So we built this target. It's 36 inches in diameter. It's huge. I mean, this thing probably weighs like 300 pounds and it has paddles for the eyes that are black in the mouth and that's black as well. So when you shoot the paddles, they'll flip back and come back into their resting position. So it's just a little reactive target, but we did it for fun for our friends. Uh, we, we've done it before and I didn't really ever post a lot about it when we did it in the past, but this time we painted it yellow and black and made it look really cool. So I decided to throw it up on the story. Yeah. Not something that we ever planned on actually creating for the market. And I, I don't know, maybe we still won't, but it was interesting to see the response on that one. And then the other one was a, I'm going to call it a zone target. It, it's like our zone, but a little different where it has a silhouette and then there's a paddle in the middle and the paddle is sized exactly like a USPSA a zone. And there was a customer that wanted one of these made. And we always entertain the conversations with custom products. We don't always do them depending on what the customer is looking for, but this was something that we'd actually been talking about and looked at it as a good opportunity that essentially the customer is going to cover the cost of R and D to finalize a good product that may eventually end up in our lineup. So we is the, uh, <clears throat> the ADAP size on that? Is that a two thirds or is that a full size? That's full size. Okay. So 12 inches wide by 24 inches tall. Um, and then it has the A zone cut out and a paddle, just like the smiley face that when you hit the paddle, it's going to react. So it just gives people an opportunity to shoot a little bit more, you know, smaller target. Right. Um, yeah. uh, and, I, I like that. Cause I, cause 
my favorite targets are the two thirds targets that you guys make. And I like it because, because they're smaller and you have to, you have to work a little bit harder for them. Right. They just weigh less and they're easier to move around in the range and stuff. Yep. I, I do have one of your A zone size targets and I like it. Um, but I, I honestly had not, haven't used it that much. And <clears throat> so honestly, I think having, you know, having that, that, that A size zone on a, ADAP, I kind of get the best of both worlds. I get, I, I get a bigger target to have, but I'm really working for that right. smaller A zone. So, yeah, and that's that's the theory behind it. And I put up a story right after the smiley face. I put this this new zone style target. And I don't even know what I'm going to call it yet. But the reason I even put it up in the story was just kind of to you know show it off a little bit. But at the same time. If you notice in that story, there was a special post on that target. And all I was was doing was dropping a tease on that armored post. I wasn't even focusing on the plate, but people lost their mind over the plate. And I have um, a military unit that wanted a quote out of it. And it's like, wow, this, this product, I didn't even, I didn't even release this. This was just simply to say, Hey, look, we do some custom stuff. Check it out. Oh, and by the way, here's this little post. And a lot of people caught on to that post and I had a pile of messages like, Hey, what's up with that? Where's the wood? And, you know, I got to tease, you know, tease that concept with another product that's coming down the pike. Um, but it, it, I like to get feedback from people like that, especially, you know, one of the things that happened was I realized, and it was kind of refreshing that we have an engaged audience a core audience, I'll say that maybe not everybody's always engaged, but we have a, a core group of people that see what we're doing and interact. And that was neat and refreshing to see that again. Um, but then I, I also, I, I was reminded how much I value input in certain aspects of the, uh, the creation process. Um, and I think it can be valuable to get feedback from, from the customers, but now we're, you know, we're working through analyzing this product and seeing, you know, is it a viable product? Um, what's the pricing structure look like? You know, the whole, the, the easy part sometimes to me is coming up with the idea. So that's the first hurdle. And then after the idea, you create your prototypes. And sometimes that takes a ton of time with this one. It didn't because we already had the principle of the ADAP. You know, we knew how we were going to hang it this was simply cutting a hole in the ADAP and using what we learned from our zone target and incorporating that. So really this, the R and D process on this was almost non-existent. Right. But, and actually that's what, that's one of the best benefits of this whole target versus the zone. The old zone used a different bracket than the ADAP and it mounted fixed. So the outside edges didn't ring that much. Um, and there was a lot more welding to the plate. So now it simplifies our process because we're, we're going to be phasing out the old zone target in the very near future. And everything that we're building forward is going to use the ADAP bracket to mount to a post. So it's kind of, we're looking at this from multiple different ways, kind of streamlining process and how many different components we have. And I think that's probably a part of it. You know, it's probably a part of your journey as you branch out into other products, maybe not so much, but I know other business owners as well. If you can, if you're making your own product and you can make kind of a foundation and just change certain components, right? Like for us, it'd be a target plate, but it uses the same bracket, same base. 
Also, guys, with uh, you know, with our custom shop stuff, I'm right, kind of same thing, and I'm changing it up, and then you know, it just it adds a lot more variation and and stuff, and so yeah, it, and honestly, I, I thought about that on your end too, because I'm like, you know, we can change up colors and materials and stuff, and I'm like, you know, you know, you know, what could you guys do like that? But you know, for, you know, for you guys, that you know, you know, you know to to add that variation means you make things different sizes or you, or you, right. Or you do zone stuff and moving stuff. So it's just a little bit different, but you know, you know, it's kind of the same idea. Yeah. And I mean, we could do the whole change the color and make a special limited color, but as you know, and anybody who shot steel knows, as soon as you start putting bullets on, you're starting to chip the paint yeah, off. Yeah. <laughs> After an hour on the range, it's not that color anymore. So, right. And if I want yeah. to change color, I'll just get a different color spray paint. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it was cool. It was cool. A cool way to end the week. And, uh, it, it kind of jump started my brain into thinking of some of these other ideas that we've had. And the creation process is one of the most exciting as uh, an entrepreneur and as somebody who's creating products. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, leveling out what's realistic and what, you know, what is viable. Um, you know, I, you and I were talking about just a couple minutes ago, kind of segueing into it um, kind of balancing what your input is versus what, you know, how much you're listening to um, to create your products from other outside sources. But I guess before we even get into that, what's your, how was your week or what at the end of the week or the beginning of this week? Um, man, it, uh, uh, my Friday was, uh, it was kind of crazy. Some of this is business stuff and some of it's just kind of uh, like, more on the outside of work side of things that I'll go into a little bit. So, um, Friday, uh, the owner for the, the outdoor range we go to had posted up on Facebook and asked if, if anybody could come out and help him set up some, some stuff for a match over the weekend. And, uh, and you know, so I volunteered me and Dusty to go out there. So we got, we got stuff packed up and, uh, cause I figured if we're going to drive all, all the way out there, I might as well do a little shooting too. So, <clears throat> so we go out there and we help them get, get, get stuff set up. We do a little bit of shooting, come back home and I come inside and my, uh, my older Labrador, he's almost, he'll be 11 in, in August Heinz. Uh, he, he comes through, well, I, I come through the kitchen. I look down the hallway and he was laying in the hallway, which is super weird. He's always on the couch and he's having a, he's having a really hard time getting up. His legs weren't moving. He was just, he looked dazed and confused. So long story short, um, you know, you, you know, take him to the vet. Everything seemed to check out. They gave him a couple medications. They bill me a ridiculous amount of money. And then, um, like honestly that, that, that night he was doing so rough that I figured I'd be taking him in the next day to put him down. But uh, miraculously, the next morning he stands up and eats his breakfast and goes outside and does his thing, and he seemed seemed pretty good. He's not totally out of the woods, but um, but he's doing a lot better. Uh, he's it seems like the evenings he's just he's kind of wobbly and stuff. So still trying to figure that out. But um, I mean, that just kind of oh, and then also I had to take my Jeep commander back in the shop again that day. So I was having dusty, nice. so having dusty drive me all around and, 
and you know, he rushed us to the vet and it's just like, it was one of those days where, uh, man, I think there was something else too. Like I needed to, now there's something else happened too. that's just, you know, me and my wife were just kind of laughing. Like it's just one of those days that you, if you have to laugh at it, cause if you don't laugh, you'll cry. And right. So that's kind of how I ended my week. And, uh, but, uh, it, it ended up being a beautiful weekend and, and you know, like I said, Heinz is, he's doing, he's doing better. So I was able to try to get my mind straight how to get into this week. And, and then yesterday morning, I, I, I do all my stuff and, and I hop on social media and check it out. And for some reason, I, I, I really don't have to deal with too many trolls, you know, with too many negative people for the most part. And I've always been really thankful for that, you know? Right. Well, I wake up Monday morning and there are, there are like a handful of these just really mean, rude, useless comments on on a post I had made the day before on Instagram. And yeah, so usually what I do is, is if, if I have a bunch of people that are, if I have anybody who comes across my social media who really has nothing good to say, and it's pretty apparent that they don't even have any experience with the product, I do them a favor and I block them because I want to do them the favor of not having to make them see my terrible product and cut anymore. You know, if it's, if it's that upsetting to them, I want to do them the favor of, of blocking them. So, so I block a few people and, um, and that results in another guy. I got a feeling that it's one guy with multiple accounts. Um, and, and so there's another guy who was like, Hey, just, uh, you know, like he, he was calling me out for being, you know, for being a wuss and being soft and, and, and stuff like that. And so I engaged a little bit with them because sometimes I do like to engage because really, if you get, like, if you get those comments going, it pops that post way up to the top. And, oh yeah. You know, so it, and I always tell them like, you know, thanks a lot for helping me, you know, draw more traffic to this post and stuff. But still it just, it set my Monday off. I was just, I was not having it. I was just, I was kind of ticked off like all day just from dealing with trolls. No, cause it's hard not to take some of that stuff to heart. And some days I'm better than others with it, but I think it's, I think it's kind of because I don't have to deal with it all that often that when it does happen, uh, it, it seems to bother me, but so that's, that was kind of how my Friday and Monday went. So but I did, I did have something really exciting happen. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to go into this or not, but I'm just so excited. I'm sitting here looking out my back window, looking at it. I Wait a minute. To, Wait, is it, is it there? It's there. I'm looking oh, at it right Are now. you serious? Yep. I'm coming there right now. <laughs> Literally, on, like I'm, I'm going to pack up. Well, my, oh, no, I, I want to come out there. Broken. I want to I, I <laughs> go there. You like, have a, so you have the means now to get here. Yes. Reliably. So Reliably. Pack up now. So anyway, tell them what you got. I got a brand new Jeep Gladiator. It's the it's the pickup truck and Wrangler mashup. It's basically Jeep made the perfect vehicle for me. I've wanted. I, I've always owned Jeeps. I've owned Cherokees and Commander and a couple of other their other models and stuff over the years. Um, but the Wrangler's never 
just made sense in the moment for me. So I've always desperately wanted a Wrangler, but I've always desperately wanted and needed a pickup truck just between hunting and mountain biking and picking up metal and dropping scrap off for work and stuff. Just, I, I need a pickup truck. So Jeep finally, which they've been teasing this thing for years, Jeep finally announces um, that they're making the Jeep Gladiator, the, the, the Wrangler slash pickup truck. And so um, I've just been Googling and literally Googling this truck every day since they announced it, just, just hanging on every word that I could find. And, uh, and the dealership by me had, had a handful in stock. And so went over there and haggled and, and was able to drive away with, drive away with one, which is just like, like, there's just so many cool, cool things with this. Um, I mean, one, I never, ever would have imagined that I would have a new car ever. I never really wanted one. I'm like, you know, I, I would always buy one that's a couple of years old. That's that's off a lease or something. But, um, frankly, I'm not patient enough to wait another like two years for this thing. So that wasn't going to happen. And, uh, but it's kind of like a little tidbit. So when I first came up with the Neomag, I think it was out for like weeks at, at this point. And it was snowballing faster than what I could I can imagine. And it seemed like, Hey, this is something that I need to move forward with and create an LLC and all this stuff. <clears throat> so I called up a buddy of mine I went to high school with, and, and he had started a little side side business. And so I called him up and I was just asking him questions about how he started an LLC and how business has gone for him and, and what to expect and stuff like that. And I had asked him about, you know, I'm like, you know, so you aren't doing this full time. It's a side gig. So what is like, what has this business done for you? Cause he's been doing it for years. You know, what is a side business done for you that, that makes it, you know, makes it worth the time and all stuff like that. And he said, well, it bought me and my wife a new car. And I remember that just blowing my mind. Like, I can't believe that the side job, the, that my buddy has bought him a new car that yeah. just, so it, it's, you know, you know, here I am you know, over four years later. Um, and I was able to buy a new car and it's just like, to me, it just kind of represents there's so much, so much hard work. Like I've, I've worked so hard to get to this point and so to be able to drive this, drive this thing, which in the end, it's just a car, it's a temporary thing. And it, 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 it is just a thing, but it also kind of represents a little bit more than that to me. Just, um, you know, going from that phone conversation where my mind was blown to being able to, to do it, um, just kind of, it, it's just really cool to me. And, and really the business has done, way more awesome things for me than what a car is, but still it's just, you know, because of that phone call and stuff that, you know, you know the Jeep just kind of means a little bit more to me. So. Yeah. Um, I get it. That's I'm cool. super excited. I barely slept last night. And did you sleep in the Jeep? I thought about it. 
You should have. And frankly, you should you should know how lucky you are that I'm actually on this podcast with you because <laughs> all I want to do is be out there fooling around with it and driving it. Yeah, and stuff. That's why you have an employee. We have two employees. They can take over the shop for the day and you can go cruising. And I'm going to go cruise. It's supposed to warm up here, so I can't wait to take the top off. And oh, that's awesome. Go cruise around. The kids were so excited. I got home last night and they were just head over heels. They, they had just so much fun, you know, wanting to hop around in the bed of it. Uh, than anything but once i took off because I, I got the hard top for it and there in the front of the hard top there's two that that you can two pieces you can take off so it's just kind of over nice the driver and passenger side i popped those off and the kids just went nuts they're like whoa and then when so when i told them that the rest of the top comes off and the doors come off they they were just you know it was just it was really cool to see how excited they were because that's frankly neat. the the giddiness and giggly and it screaming excitement they had is exactly what I was doing in, in my head the whole time. Yeah. And I like how you put it, that it's just another, you know, I, at the end of the day, I think everybody who listens to podcast knows where you and I are at. Like the material things are, are great. Obviously we want to, as we grow our business to reap some benefit from it, but at the end of the day, it's just a material thing. But the cool part is it represents milestones for the company. You know, the, the amount of work and sacrifice that goes into a business startup is insane. And at the beginning, especially in the phases you and I are both in is you sacrifice like crazy. You know, it's, it's those years and years and years of kind of sticking your neck out and saying, okay, I'm not sure if this is going to work, but I'm going for it. I'm, I'm willing to drive crappy things. I'm willing to, you know, keep our finances tight to do this because you believe in it and then to kind of cross that threshold or see you cross that threshold and get this car that was something that blew your mind years ago is super cool. Yeah. I think that that stuff pumps me up. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the other business podcasts I listen to, um, you know, they talk about lifestyle creep. This is something that, that I find myself thinking about too. And I'm like, you know, is this, like, am I being stupid? Am I, is this, is this responsible? Am I, you know, just, just all those things. But, you know, like with lifestyle creep, they talk about, you know, like when you, how far are you willing to advance your lifestyle financially? Because the more you take on, that's now, that's now your life. Right. And that, right. and that, and that thing you know, you know, he's not taking for like, you know, you know, one of, the, one of the things that they talk about is, is like going from, and, and it seems small, but, but it's not supposed to go into a family going from store brand stuff to name brand food, you know, like that, 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 that shift in mindset from grabbing the Walmart brand to like Dole, you know, uh, or actual Kellogg's, uh, frosted amino wheats instead of, you know, you know, whatever the you know, cheap one is. So it's just like, you know, making those, and it can be small changes to big changes. And, uh, and, you know, so that's something I, I, I do try to think about too, is like, you know, is this, am I going too far here? Is this sustainable? Is this, you know, so that's, that's kind of a whole nother 
topic. I'm, I'm not sure I should have brought that up right now, but it's just. But well, we we can absolutely dive into that sometime because I think it's important. I I think it's easy to fall into the trap of I'm going to build this business and get all this crazy stuff and drive these fancy cars and you know I'm not saying that everybody does that, but I mean let's be honest. Some people say, yeah, I want to do my own thing because I want these the stuff. And if that's their life mission, cool. That's on, you know, that's their thing. I think that there's a higher calling to, to what we're doing. You know, I think there's a responsibility to balance those, you know, the desire to have stuff versus the other impacts you can have on the world around you. But, you know, I, I can understand the, the, the turmoil, you know, the, the tension that you'd have trying to decide something like that when you're trying to balance it. Cause yeah. like I, I know people that are extremely successful businessmen. Um, I know a couple that drive cars that would make you be like, you make you wonder why the heck are you driving that? You know, if, if you know their financial standing, they're like driving these beaters and they live in a small house or whatever, but they could, they could buy thousands of acres if they wanted, you know, they could have all this stuff, but they live simply. So like, there's a balance. I, I get the, I can see the tension there. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it, one of the things about me, and this is something I, I, I don't see changing, is, and is you know, the, you know, the last vehicle, the Jeep Commander, we bought it used, and we drove that thing until it, and frankly, the work that it needed would cost more than what it's worth. Like, I, I, right. I drove that thing. And, uh, and when I was going through all the paperwork and stuff, last night for this, the lady asked me, you know, you know, how long do you plan on driving this? And I'm like, forever, <laughs> like until it won't drive anymore. And she was like, really? It, it's just like, that surprised her because so many people will, will buy a new, well, will trade in the car and buy a new one, like every four years or something. And I'm like, no, I plan on driving this for at least the next 10 years. Like, I don't want to, I can't wait till I have this. I already can't wait till I have this thing paid off and I can enjoy not having a car payment and drive, just driving something I own until, you know, until the wheels fall off. Yeah. And, uh, so just kind of just, you know, how she reacted to that kind of spoke to the state of, of just kind of people and their vehicles and stuff. So, uh, I thought that was, I thought that was kind of fascinating. So I actually didn't want to, I didn't mean to go into all that. Uh, no, that's cool. So I'm, I'm as pumped as you are, I promise. And no, I, I'm sure I, I'm okay. If you want to pack up and head over here <laughs> and I do, I just want to drive five and a half hours puts you, I don't know. You'll be here by dinner. Yeah. Sounds good. Sweet. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> Have a good week. <laughs> yeah. Nice talking to you. See you. <laughs> so one of the things that I, uh, that I, I did kind of want to, build on was you're talking about your uh these targets that kind of started out as something that a customer had requested and it's turning into what looks like is going to be a you know, possible you know real possibility for in for an in-stock new item of you know for everybody to buy and that just kind of got me thinking about um you know about uh about the effect that customers have on our products. Now I thought that, I thought that'd be kind of an interesting topic to talk about. Um, you know, f- for me, and I, I think I probably kind of talked about this a little bit 
in the past, I think maybe like the, one of the first, first podcasts when I was talking about just creation, of the Neomag and stuff is, is how the Neomag has, you know, has evolved over the years, largely because of customer feedback. Hey, I would really appreciate if, if the Neomag had this, if it had a longer clip, if it didn't, if it didn't have four screws, if this was angled, if this, you know, the, you know, and sometimes some of those, you know, sometimes I get feedback on stuff and I'm just like, no, um, that's not going to change. I'm, you know, for one is I'm never going to have this thing injection molded in China and mass produce. That's just not like, that's something that I've put my foot down on. Um, but there are things that I've allowed to be influenced by customers over the years. So, um, you know, like what's been some no-go changes that, that that you've been asked for and some changes that you have made because of customer feedback? Yeah. You know, as, as you're kind of running through it, it's got my mind spinning and it's kind of tough to distinguish between what feedback would be valuable versus what would be kind of what I would say things that I would just brush off. And the obvious is if, if the customer feedback that we're getting is going to make us sacrifice quality, I'm going to say, no, I'm just going to put my foot down and be like, nah, that's not something we would even consider. You know, we're not going to go to a cheaper material just so that the retail price is lower because one customer said, I can't, you know, I, I can't spend that on a target. That sounds like that sounds mean as an example, but at the end of the day, we're trying to, to offer the best and put out the best. Um, I do listen to all feedback. If somebody messages me and says, Hey, this is what I'm experiencing. I'm going to consider it right away. I mean, I, there's things that you'll open up the email or the message. You'll be like, Oh, not this again. <laughs> but I try to have an open mind when customers are reaching out because ultimately, I mean, especially if they've purchased the product and I should put that first, I guess I'm going to put more value on somebody's opinion that has our product in hand. I mean, let's just get that right out front versus um, what I would say most of the time if someone's making suggestions, but they've never purchased a product, they're probably trolling. Yeah. Uh, So I put weight on the customers, but then I, I hear out what they have to say and whether that gets implemented or not depends on so much stuff. I don't even know how to list it out, but right. we'd obviously discuss it as our team. But, you know, it, well, I mean, sometimes it, there's things where it's just like in the manufacturing process, that's just not a reality or right. that's not something I could afford to tool up to do. You know, like, the, you know, sometimes there's just real world manufacturing impossibilities or, or, or problems. And, like and and sometimes there's ones that that are just no that's not not even possible, um, but sometimes there's ones so you know, you know for instance for me for the Neomag, it um, the Neomag used to be assembled using four screws. There were two screws attached um, the two main parts of the Neomag together, and then there was two screws attached the clip to the main part. And I'd had enough customers ask me if if there's any way to get rid of the two lower screws, because some people said that it was making it hard for them to put the Neomag on. 
And I, I, I brushed it off and just rolled my eyes at people for quite a long time. I'm like, you guys are being ridiculous. Like, I don't have a problem with this. Just get over it, you know, figure it out. Be a good, you know? And, and, and so, but at, at some point I was like, okay, what if I could use, you know, what if I could do that? But I also could use this design change to benefit me. So I started thinking through, you know, it would be nice manufacturing wise and assembly wise, if it only took two screws instead of four and not necessarily because of like, you know, the screws cost fractions of a penny. So it's not like it was a saving money on the screws type of thing, but there's assembly time and, and the method in which the, the, you know, Nehemiah goes together and stuff. And so I sat down and started thinking it through and figured out a way to put the whole thing together using two screws and it cut our assembly time down drastically. And, and frankly, it made it a better product um, in some other ways because just because I was able to tweak some things and just make it, make it a better product. And in the end I was able to say, here you go, everybody, here's your two screws. That's all, that's all they wanted was, was that yet I use that as an opportunity to, to really fix and make a better product all around. So, yeah, you know, sometimes it really is worthwhile to sit down and take your customers feedback and see if, you know, see if it really is something that could make your, if it really could make your product better. Cause that's what we want, right? We want, we want yeah. to offer the best, best product we can. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. I, I, I do listen to, all constructive feedback. I'll put it that way. Um, and if I think there's a way to, you know, to improve the product and give, give the customer what they want, that's, that's a win-win. Yeah. And it's just keeping an eye on the, not that either one of us are really prideful, but just keeping a check on the pride, you know, making sure that we're not allowing that to blind potential innovations in our own product lineup it's just it if if i could put it this way i would say probably 90 percent of the suggestions we've gotten are probably a no-go you know or probably fall into the category of unrealistic as as far as changes to the products that we already have um whether that's like you said it, it might be a a manufacturing process. A good example is, you know, we bolt the angles on the ADAP system to the plate. And there's very specific reasons why we do that. And I can't tell you how many times people say, hey, you should really weld those clips onto the back. And there's very specific reasons why we do what we do. And that's kind of the feedback that at that point, I just kind of give them the reasoning, a real short copy paste thing of why do we have it like that? Um, But then there's other things like this, this custom target where, you know, if a customer says, Hey, this is what I want and I'm willing to pay for it. Cool. As long as it's not unsafe and it's not something that we know will be structurally, it'll fail prematurely. I'm fine with making a custom target. And in fact, I kind of like it because that customer has, you know, I have one person that I know needs this product and that's not enough to justify running a whole production, but it covers my R and D 
for this product or at least a, a little bit of it. And then it gives me the opportunity to, to put content out that I can gauge the demand off of, which is where I think that you can leverage our larger followings on social media to get a good feel for what um, a product might do. But I think that it's important to be cautious as well and realistic because let's be honest, uh, if somebody releases a new fancy gadget, tons of people are going to be like, oh, that's so awesome. I need one. But how many of those people are actually going to pull the trigger on it and say, I'm, I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is and buy that thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so the hype, the hype is always there with new products. So that's where I'm right now. You know, we, I believe because I had people actually request that I quote them on the products. I know that I can create a batch of these, even if it's just a one-time run and cover them with what I know I'm going to say, um, sell already. So that's kind of how we're gauging that it's worth pursuing and at least putting on the website. Um, even if this is just a, very short-lived product, which I, I have a feeling it won't be. No, I think it's, uh, I think it's really cool. I was just, I was just sitting here kind of daydreaming anymore. It might be kind of cool if there's a way to, to put a cardboard target in that space too, instead of the steel. Yeah. And it's, it's things like that that would be very easy to do. Yeah. Um, and then on top of it, you know, the coolest part about this, one of the coolest parts about this idea of this target system is it also will work with our hostage bracket. So now you've got a hostage reactor flip, you know, flipping paddle and you've got the A zone and you've got the full size target. You can still use the base for cardboard paper. We can come up with other attachments for this target. It's pretty neat. And like I said, this is actually something we've talked about. That's the funny thing. We have so many ideas that I've created basic sketches and I, I essentially jot down just enough info so that I can get back into it down the road, even if it's a year or two years down the road and I can kind of jog my memory and be like, oh yeah, I remember, I remember thinking about that and this is kind of where my thought was going because I don't know about you, but I have so many fleeting thoughts coming through my head all the time and I find myself struggling sometimes to remember what was that thing I was thinking of. So I try to keep the information jotted down so I can come back to it. Yeah. But well, I don't know, it's just exciting. I'm still waiting on my, my custom idea that I gave you last year. You that's know, fine. No, just, just keep doing everyone else's first. That's I'll that's, do everyone else's before yours. Yeah. And then I'll do yours as kind of like the finale except it'll never be a finale because we're not ever going to stop. <laughs> and then mine's going to be, well, it'll be the most wildly popular, most demanded design yet, but you'll have waited so long that you'll have missed out on years and years of sales from that product. Yeah. This is, this is getting depressing now. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to create your product this afternoon. There we go. <laughs> and then I'll drive out there in my new Jeep. Come get yeah. It. It, but you know how it is. It's, yeah. it's one of those things where you're trying to constantly prioritize you know, number one, we obviously have to run our business and maintain the sales of the products we already have. And that's the, the struggle, number one. And then you're trying to squeeze in this prototype R&D, creation of product, gauging customer feedback, all among the other responsibilities you have. Yep. It's hard to come up with the time to do that. Yeah, for sure. 
but if, I think when you have a good idea and it seems viable, I think you need to make the time for it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, like I said, I think I said last week, I just, I'm, I'm really, I'm really seeing the power of just having product diversity and, and, uh, and so I'm just, I'm really excited to, to add more products. I got another product I'm hoping to come out within a couple months and, uh, and you know why why wouldn't you want to take you know someone's idea if 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 it's a good one and try to make it a reality cuz ultimately that's what you need for your business you need you need stuff that people want and you can make and that they'll buy from you I mean, that's that's how you're going to grow your business so what would be and this is a question we can both touch on so we kind of I mean, we touched on some of the negatives and positives of listening to customer feedback, but in your mind, what would be the worst case scenario if you listen to bad customer feedback? Say you, I don't know, for example, two people message you and said, you need to make this custom item and you did. What's the worst, the worst case that you would see? So the first thing that comes to mind, and one of the first things that I, that I was asking myself when, you know, when I have an idea for a product is um, will this product be taken seriously? Will this product um, continue to improve how people see my business and see the products that we do? You know, I've got, I've got fears of, of coming out with a product that, that is that's that's gonna be the next product to hit like all the the memes that hate on stuff in this <laughs> yeah this business you know that's yeah so I, i'm always asking myself like is this is this truly a product that has real benefit and is a real solution to a real problem and not not a solution looking for a for a problem you know that's yeah so that's the thing that just that that I'm, I'm I'm always asking myself and uh and like and, and for me I truly want to just do products that that are really that are innovative and are different and and is not being done the way that I do it you know like there's I get asked all the time you know like after about the CNC machine hey are you going to do slide milling are you going to do and so I'm like no those are there's a bunch of those companies out there now. And what am I going to do? That's really going to be a whole lot different than what those other companies are doing that, that have been, been doing this for years, you know, like to me that, you know, could I do that and make money on it? Sure. I mean, like, I think every one of those companies that are milling slides have months of a wait. So there's obviously potential out there to take on that work is, you know, as long as you do a good job and stuff. But to me, it's just, I, I, I don't have the interest in doing things that are already being done. If I'm going to do it the same way, if that makes sense. Right. So I guess this is my answer. How about you? Well, my worst case, I, I, I like where you went with your brand image. Cause I'm constantly thinking of that. So here's, here's an example. There are target companies out there. I'm not going to list any names, but I can't take them seriously. I look at what 
what they're doing. And it's just, I don't know how to describe it. It's just trashy. And I, I would talk to you behind the scenes, Greg, and just show you and whatever, but I'm not, I'm not in this to bash other companies, but I look at what they're doing. I'm like, man, the products that they're coming out with are just, they're, they're just, they don't show professionally. They don't. And they're literally kind of trashy. Not, not that the product's bad, but just what they're doing with the product and all kinds of stuff. So the brand image to me is, is not, I worry about releasing products that are going to take the prestige factor that we've built with TA targets, the reputation that we have and backtrack it. So I'm I'm constantly weighing is the, the potential product that someone's suggesting to me or this product that we're considering on our own, is it going to take us backwards? Because if it is, it's a no. I don't have any interest. I, I don't want to be um, known as the dollar tree of steel targets. You know, we want to be known that we are that name brand that people go to. And yes, we're more expensive than some other companies, not all of them, but some of them. But what you're going to get is a superior product and an experience that's unlike anything else. And if I can't maintain that goal, I don't want anything to do with it. But yeah. then I guess at, at the end of the day, if I release a product and it, it, I listened to feedback and it didn't pan out that it is going to work, you know, it, it, it's kind of a failure or it is a failure. As long as it didn't hurt my reputation, the worst thing that's going to happen is the sales are not going to perform the way that I want and I'm going to lose some money or I'll have product that is hard to sell. But if you're a responsible, and I think this is where this comes in. If you're being responsible, you should know that you, you know, say with these new zone targets, I'm not going to produce 200 of them right away. I'm just, I'm not willing to do that. Right. I'll do a batch of 12. And if those 12 sell out in the first week, I'm going to make another batch of 12. You never stick your neck out far enough that the product that you have on hand is going to kill you. Um, so I, I guess at the worst case scenario, say I make 24 of these zone targets and I sell 10. Now I've got to sell 14 targets. It's not going to hurt me at the end of the day. You know, it might be frustrating, but you know, I, I could see a terrible result of bad feedback or a bad product would be when you listen to that feedback and you take all your life savings and you know, you dump it into a product all at one time with the snap of a fingers and you say, this is it. And you go for it and it fails. You know, that, that would be the worst case. But I, yeah. I mean, that would terrify me. That thought terrifies me. Yeah. And I think, you know, cause you could have 10 great products and you come out with one bad one. It's, it puts a bad flavor in people's mouth and they now wonder if those other 10 products are going to go downhill or, or, you know, it just, it creates doubt in people's minds. So, um, you know, there's, you know, know, but the flip side of all this is the thing that I found out there's a customer for every one of those products and right there's companies that are killing it making products that we're all rolling our eyes at, you know? So it's like, yep. You know, it's, it's, it's a personal thing. It's what are you comfortable putting your name on and shipping out? 
Um, so that's to me. To me, that, that, that's kind of what it comes down to. So, yeah, I would agree. I think just being cautious about it, but then also there's something to be said that good marketing. And I'm not saying this to justify selling a crappy product, but there's companies that are selling crappy products and making a killing killing on them because of their marketing. But I, I think if I think anyone listening to this podcast probably has a similar mindset to us, you know, we want to put out a superior product and partner that with good marketing and innovate and fill in the voids where other people didn't. And part of that is, you know, I, I'm going to say this and. I might look back on this next statement in five years and be like, wow, you're such an idiot, but I'm going to say it because maybe I'll learn from it. But I think sometimes from my experience, the customers don't always know what they quote unquote need. Right. And it's up to us to create the need for the product, depending on what it is. And I'll I'll use one example. Um, When we started TA targets, nobody was using AR 550 steel. Like literally there was nobody playing with it and we got the opportunity to purchase some of it in. We started playing with it and we're like, Holy cow, this is phenomenal. This steel is way stronger than AR 500. Um, So we started manufacturing AR 550 targets and we had feedback at that time from people, lots of people that were saying, why would I buy that target? It's 75 bucks more, a hundred bucks, $150 more than this AR 500 target. Why would I buy that? Now, if we would have listened to that feedback at that time and stuck with AR 500 targets, I would have some serious regret today, I think. Um, So we created our own uphill battle in a way because now we had a more expensive product. So how do you market that more expensive product? Um, But, We've sold thousands of targets all over the nation, outside the nation. Um, and we are, we now have the, the reputation of a superior target because of that. Where everybody else that's still staying in the AR 500 crowd is using an inferior steel that's not going to, I mean, just, just taking the two types of steel side by side, it's not going to perform like the steel we're using. And then we went even further and found the best supplier. You cannot get better steel than what we're purchasing. And it's like, so you have to weigh it. Like there's some times where you're going to know that the steps you're about to take go against the grain, but that might be a good thing. It's just hard to determine when, you know, like those customers that said, don't do AR 550, you're going to price yourself out of the market. The other thing other people told me was, don't do AR550. You need to make a product that's going to fail prematurely so right. that so that you have tons of customers coming back. And I'm like, no, actually, when products prematurely fail on me, it pisses me off and I go buy from a quality brand. Right. And I know that we live in a culture that everything is disposable. I mean, your experience with the car salesman was the same thing. To them, you know, normal people every two to four years buy a new car. The old one's disposable. But there is a value on a good product that's going to last people. And my mindset is your target's going to last so that two years from now, even if you can't afford a target every year, two years from now, you'll buy another one because you want to outfit your range. And then you'll buy another one because we came out with a new one. Um, 
And so I, I'm really happy that at times we have not listened to, uh, not that we haven't listened, but we haven't acted upon the feedback that we've received. So one of my favorite quotes is from Henry Ford. I've heard this. If I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Right. I think that's, that's awesome. Cool. Like, I, I love that quote. Just, it, you know, that quote drives me to think outside the box and think about just, you know, think about what I can do that is not being done and that, that people haven't even, people don't know to ask for it. Like that, that's the stuff that I want to think of. Right. Um, and that's the stuff that excites me and seeing people's minds blown when, you know, you know, when they see the Neomag for the first time and stuff like that's fun. And yeah. I'm a lot of the same way. I mean, with, you know, one of the reasons why I made the Neomag out of steel, black nitrated steel and titanium is because I wanted to make something that, that I could be proud to put my name on something that people could be proud to own and something that, I could put a lifetime warranty on and, and then not go broke, you know, having a warranty items. Right. Um, and sure. I could have made something that's plastic and it's going to break within the next, next year. And then I can cross my fingers and hope they'll come back to me, but I would rather make something that's going to last them five plus years. And, and, then they're going to come back and they're going to buy the custom shops. They're going to buy some for gifts for, for people. Like if you do it right and, and you make something that's, that that's, that's really good. People are going to understand and people are going to, you know, it, they're, they're, they're going to support that and they're going to want to buy more for, for other people because, right. because they love it so much. And, and if, if the people don't do that, then they aren't the customers that you want in the first place. So, right. That's my thought on that. Yeah. And that, I know we've touched on that before, but I think that's a point that should get hammered home like crazy. And that there were times that, you know, we hung on to feedback, you know, with specifically, let's just say that AR 500 versus 550 again. And we hang, we hung on to certain targets that were AR 500 just because we thought that's what people wanted but I am so glad that we put a, you know, we made a, a a wave in the pond of the industry of targets. You know, we, we made a big wave and now it's funny now going into our fourth year, seeing the big guys copying that. And, and you know, you've made an impact when the biggest players in the target industry switch to the same material or try to. Um, but good thing is it's not all about the material it's about the method it's about the um, innovation of the actual design and then on top of that the service i mean it's a it's a complete package when you're selling a product it's not just oh you've got a good product okay well if your product product's great but your service sucks you don't communicate you don't ship timely you know good products fail because of those things too yeah for sure but it's it's a constant journey of trying to figure out what you want as a business owner, you know, what kind of products you want to put out. And then obviously what, what's viable, but you're right. It it drives me when I think of people creating things that don't even exist, like how, how cool is that? I mean, you did it with the Neomag and what we've done 
I'm going to say isn't revolutionary at TA targets. I mean, we, we had some really unique things that haven't been done like our falling tree, but we haven't done anything that's kind of totally out there. So for people listening, it doesn't mean you have to, you know, come up with this crazy unknown product. There are industries like you were saying, Greg, with slide milling or holsters, creating things like that, that are super saturated, but they're thriving. Yeah. And it's like it, it blows company. my mind. Like I, 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 I'm friends with so many holster company. Right. And they're all killing it. It's like, I wonder how one more holster company can survive, but. I keep meeting more of them and they, <laughs> they're doing better than I am and they're making the Kydex holsters and yep. it's uh so, but well, man, I, uh, I'm tired of looking at my Jeep and Dusty just came by and was waving me out. He wants me to go take him for a ride. So I think we need to wrap this up so I can go play. Cool. Yeah. Well, we're, we're at that hour point anyway. So hopefully that dropped some, some thoughts into the people that are listening, but yeah, I, I, I would love to hear what people think. I, if, if people disagree, I would love to hear um, if anybody has any, uh, yeah, anybody has any disagreements on any of this stuff. It would be like, it'd, it'd be cool to hear that. Or if, if, if you, if you've experienced, um, you know, you know, some of the opposite results and stuff, uh, it'd be great to hear that stuff. So if yeah. anybody wants to, to, to give us that feedback, we have a plethora of ways for people to get back to us. There's email. Yep. Journey at gmail.com. That's a good one. They can do Instagram. Also a good one. Forging the journey. They can do Facebook group. Which they should do anyway. Which is Forging the Journey. Just search it and hit the invite and we will happily let you in. Uh, is there any other ways? I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean... They could direct mail us. <laughs> yeah, if you want, if you want, if you want to mail. snail mail it, we will. We'll hook you up with PO boxes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. if you want to snail mail it, shoot us an email. We'll give you our address, and then and then tag us on Instagram and also message us on the Facebook group. Yep, and then we'll give you our we'll get PO, you, yeah. PO box. Yeah, we'll get you PO box. Dude, cool. I would flip. I would flip out if somebody sent us a handwritten. So, I have. And I, I'm not going to take any more than 10 seconds here. I have the coolest idea for Christmas next year, and I'm super pumped, and it does require people to mail into us. But I'll tell you more as we get closer to Christmas, because it's going to be really funny. Awesome. So, cool, man. Well, it was right. a pleasure as always. As always. Have, have a good rest of the week, and enjoy that Jeep, and I'll see you at dinner time. All right, man. <laughs> see you. Buddy. See you.